So today, the subject is learning to hear God's voice. We're going to embark on a journey this morning uh, where we're going to consider and think about ways that we can learn to recognize God's voice in our lives. I think that hearing God's voice is one thing that many, many people desire in their life. They want to know how to hear God's voice, how they know if it's God's voice, what does God want to say to them. So we're going to take that journey here this morning. And um, so we're going to begin, I just want to begin by sharing with you that... Um, uh, I kind of grew up in church, and when I say I grew up in church, I mean like literally in church. Um, by all you can go to the next slide, because my thing is not working. I grew up in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and this was my view every single day of my life. Pike's Peak, Garden of the Gods, and it was just majestic. But I grew up going to a church, and uh, I went to the Christian school that was housed at the church. So I was literally there six days a week. And my parents would often um, volunteer or, or sometimes be hired to help clean the church to be the custodians. So they would drag us along as kids, you know, me and my brother, and we'd help with some of the clean. And then when we were done, we would just go exploring around the whole church. Like we do every nook and cranny of the church. We'd find the back stairwells and the closets. And we'd go in everywhere because, you know, when you clean the building, you get to go into everywhere, right? So we were running around. I mean, we were like church mice or church rats, you might say. I mean, I just feel like I always grew up in church in the building and in our church in our sanctuary when you're sitting like you guys do and you're facing you were facing west towards the mountains so they actually built a window with this view that you'd be staring at so you'd be there looking and the preacher would be over here to the side and there would be that window there with those mountains and it was just amazing and and what it reminded me was just of the majesty and the glory of god and just being able to see that Every day, and I remember one night, it was actually an afternoon, I went outside the church, I stood on this kind of grass area by the church, and I looked at this view, this, almost this exact same view, a little further away, and there were clouds in the sky, and the sunlight was kind of coming through, you know, when it looks like it's just a light come on from heaven, and I just felt this transcendence, I, I felt this presence of something bigger than me. For the Bible says that from the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature have been clearly seen from what has been created. Amen. So that everyone can know that there is God. And there's no excuse for anybody who lives on the face of the earth for where there's nothing else. The creation itself declares the majesty and the glory of God. And I stood there in the song. The words to an old hymn came into my mind. It wasn't, well, I guess it was old back then, too. Oh, Lord, my God, when I am awesome wonder, consider all the works thy hands have made. I see the stars. I hear the rolling thunder. Your power throughout the universe is displayed. And then I just began to sing because there was no one else around. And that's what I could sing. And I just began to sing, um, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. And when you conceive the majesty of God's creation, and then scripture was read that talked about the creation declaring the majesty of God, you can see what a powerful image and impression that left upon me. So I'm going to invite Mary White to come. And she's going to read a scripture this morning to us from Psalm 19 about hearing the voice of God. And we don't have the words. I apologize. We're just going to listen to Mary say it this morning. So anyway. Psalm 19. Yeah, hit it my next. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. 
Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no words, they, they have no speech, they use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voices go out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. So what this scripture, among many others, is teaching us is that God's voice is always talking. God is always talking through his very creation, through the stars, through the heavens. Even though they don't have a voice like we have a voice, they're speaking day after day, night after night. They pour forth the knowledge. They speak to us what God is saying. They speak to us of God. They speak to us about God. And, and one of the first ways that I really encountered the presence of God was through nature, was through being outdoors, you know, seeing God's creation. And there were so many places in the Bible where we could talk about hearing God's voice and learning to recognize what God's voice is. And while I don't have time to do this morning, that's one reason God laid on my heart to have this Wednesday night to have a prophetic prayer seminar where we can study the scriptures together and then engage in thoughtful exercises that help us learn to recognize the voice of God. But maybe it was because I was that little kid growing up in the church, feeling like I was in church all the time, that I was drawn to the story of Samuel. And Samuel is that prophet of the Old Testament who from a young boy grew up literally in the temple, in the church, because his mother brought him there and presented him there to the priest Eli when he was about four or five years old, and he was raised as his son in that temple. Now, why did Hannah, why did his mother do that? Why did Hannah do that? Because here's a little bit of the backstory. She wanted so desperately to have children with her husband, but she was unable to. They tried and tried, but nothing ever happened. And every year when they went to the temple to worship and to pray to God, she would pour out her heart to God. And one year she was pouring out her heart and she was praying to God and she was filled with such emotion and it was coming from such a deep place that the old priest Eli thought something is wrong with this lady. And he goes over and he says, ma'am, is there something wrong? And he says, have you been drinking? <laughs> you know, what's going on? And she said, no, no, sir. I have not been drinking. You don't understand. I have a deep anguish in my soul. And from the depths of my being, I'm crying out to God that he would give me a child. And Eli looked at her and he blessed her. And he said, the Lord has heard your prayer. Go on your way. And sure enough, she went home and she slept with her husband. At this time, she conceived and gave birth to a son, Samuel. And she said, because God has done such a miracle in my life, I will dedicate him. I will present him to the Lord. But like literally, in that day, she could, you could bring your son, it was, it was almost like a religious boarding school where he could learn about the priesthood and he could serve the priest and he could learn to be trained to be a servant of God. And she brought him when he was like four or five years old to the temple and presented it to him and said, Eli, remember me, I was that crazy woman praying. You thought I was crazy, but I wasn't. You need to understand I was that woman that was full of emotion. God has heard my prayer just like you said he would. And here's my son. And I want you to raise him. And I want him to serve the Lord. I want to dedicate him. And Eli Received Samuel as his son, and the Lord blessed Hannah with five more children. Because God just doesn't answer prayer, He abundantly answers prayer. Does anybody know that this morning? And if you don't, I advise you to believe that this morning. So as he's growing up literally in church, like there 24-7, not me, like you know, six days a week, he is learning to serve, he is learning all of the ways of the priesthood. And the story that I want to focus on this morning comes when he is maybe 10, 11 years old, maybe 12 years old. 
as a young boy in the temple. And where he would sleep in the temple is he would sleep near the presence of the Lord, they called it. That's where the Ark of the Covenant was. That's where the Ten Commandments and the stone tablets were. That's where the presence of God was. He would sleep near there. And he would sleep near the old priest Eli. Because Eli was old and getting on in years. And he might need some help. So Samuel slept close to God and close to the man of God so that he could help, so that he could serve whenever he was needed. And one night, this is what happens to little Samuel. And I love this setup in the Bible. It says, this was at a time when the word of the Lord was rare. God was not speaking a whole lot during this time. And there were no visions. And it was late at night. And it was in the middle of the night. And the lamp that burned all night was still burning, but it was almost out. So it was getting close to the morning, but it was deep in that dark of the early morning hours. And Eli was old, and he could barely see. Do you see the drama of the setup here? I mean, I mean, there's no visions. The lamp is almost out, and Eli is losing his sight. But the Lord comes at that moment, and he stands before Samuel, and he calls his name, Samuel! Samuel. And Samuel hears this voice. And he gets up. And he thinks that Eli is calling him. So he runs into Eli's room. And he says, Eli, here I am. Ready to do whatever was needed. And Eli woke up and he said, Samuel, I I did not call your name. You need to go back to bed, please. Samuel said, okay, I'll go back to bed. So he goes back to bed. He lays down. The word of the Lord comes again. Samuel, Samuel. Samuel's thinking, I know I'm hearing something. It's just me and Eli in this temple right now. I'm going to run back into Eli and say, Eli, what is it? Here I am. What do you need? And Eli said, Samuel, my son, I did not call you. I did not speak. Go back to your room and lie down. So Samuel goes back. And he lies down. And the third time, the Lord came. And he said, Samuel, Samuel. And what Samuel's like, I know I'm not hearing voices. There is somebody calling my name. It's got to be Eli. I don't know what's going on. So he gets up. What's going through his mind? I don't know if I want to bother him again. Anybody ever as a kid try to wake up your parents when they were asleep? Well, that was not a fun thing in my house. Amen. It's like, I did not want to do that. Especially if I did it twice. But he goes in and he says, here I am. What do you need? And Eli, what's Eli thinking? Why is this boy waking me up in the middle of the night? Not once, not twice, but three times. But then... Eli has a thought. He understands. He recognizes what's going on. He says, oh, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. Yahweh. The one true living God. The God of our people. The God of Israel. He says, okay, Samuel, here's what you do. Go back to your room. And if he speaks to you again, I want you to say, speak for your servant. Samuel said, okay. So he goes and he lays down. If I was Samuel, I don't know if I could go back to sleep at this point. Because I'm like, what is happening? And the Lord comes again exactly as the three times before. And stands in his room and says, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel says, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And God then begins to speak to Samuel. And what he speaks to him is a hard word. He says, listen, Eli, the man you've been serving, I'm not happy with him right now. I'm bringing a word of judgment and rebuke to him because he has two sons who've been acting very wickedly. 
The two sons of Eli, they, they, were, they were taking like extra food and extra money from people when they came to the temple. And they were, they were sleeping with women that came to the temple. And Eli knew that all of this was going on in the house of God, but he did not stop it. He did not say anything to them. And the Lord said, I've had it. It's enough. This cannot continue. I'm going to bring judgment against Eli and his sons and this house. How would you like that to be your first word from the Lord? <laughs> Imagine Eli was like, okay. And he goes back to sleep and he wakes up the next morning and he goes about his business. He goes about doing his work, getting things ready, setting up, doing his morning cleaning chores, not wanting to tell Eli what the Lord had said to him. But Eli comes to him because Eli also must have had a little bit of of anxiety wondering what the Lord was saying to this young boy. And he said, Samuel, Samuel said once again, here I am. And Eli said, tell me, son, tell me, what did the Lord say to you? And don't hold anything back. Don't don't worry about if it's good or bad. You must tell me everything that the Lord said. And Samuel, even though he didn't want to tell, even though it was hard for him to tell, he was obedient. And he spoke the word of the Lord to Eli and told him everything that the Lord had said. And Eli's response is interesting. Eli said, well, he's the Lord. Let him do as he sees best. Just kind of resigns to the fact that God is God. That's what he's spoken. He'll do what he wants to do. And then it says that that was the beginning of the word speaking to Samuel. And the word of the Lord continued to speak to Samuel all throughout his life. And the Bible says that the Lord let none of his words fall to the ground. Meaning that everything he spoke from the Lord came true. And everyone in all Israel, it says, from the north to the south, knew that this was the man of God. And the Lord continued to speak to him for the rest of his life at Shiloh and spoke to him through his word. Samuel became one of the greatest prophets in the Bible. And Samuel was the leader of Israel that transitioned them to a time of judges into the first kingship when he anointed King Saul and then he anointed King David after him. Samuel was a major, major figure in the history of God and in God's people. But he learned to recognize God's voice and God continued to speak to him. Now, for most of us here, dare I say maybe all of us, we will not hear God's voice in exactly that same way. It is possible. Nothing is impossible for God. But I know for most of us listening to this today, we will not hear a voice in our bedroom of God speaking to us in exactly that same way. God's ways of speaking and his methods of speaking are infinitely creative. But there are principles from this that I believe we can extract to understand how we begin to recognize and listen to God's voice in our lives. So I want to take the principles from this story and use them as the basis for guiding us into an understanding of how we can learn to recognize God's voice, okay? And the first thing is, I noticed that this story happens at night. It happens at night when everything is quiet, when everything is dark, when everything is still. And I know that the Word of God says, and we can go to the next slide, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Because if we want to encounter the presence of God, if we want to hear God, we need to be still. And we need to be quiet, right? Because how can we hear God's voice when there's so much noise in our lives, right? 
There's so much noise, whether it's the music we're listening to, or the television we're listening to, or the podcast we're listening to, or all the people that are yapping in our ears that we're listening to. There's a lot of noise in this world, isn't there? And we know that if we want to hear God's voice, we need to quiet down the noise. We need to get it to a place where we can be quiet, where we can be still. We need to stop running around. And friends, if we want to hear the voice of God, and I know that many, many of you do, you got to take some time to just stop and to be still and discover the presence of God. Amen? Anybody here ever get lost in the store when you were a little kid? Anybody ever get lost in the store when you were a little kid? Just a couple of you, man. You guys were good. I got lost. I seem like I got lost all the time in the grocery store with my mom. And I'm sure it's because I was wandering off. Like, usually I wanted to go to the cereal aisle, you know, because I wanted to make sure that I could sneak my favorite cereal into my mom's shopping cart, which was Lucky Charms, by the way. And I, I would try to get that in there, right? But I, for whatever reason, I would wander off. And when I was a kid lost, it's like, oh, where's my mom? I gotta find my mom. So I do that thing where you walk down the edge of the store looking down at each aisle, and I couldn't find her. And it seemed like every time I could not find her, like she was going around the other way, like I never found her. And I was frustrated, I didn't know what to do. And friends, young people, this was before we had cell phones, all right? So I couldn't, like, what you guys do today, text my mom and go, yo, where you at? Mom, where you at? You know, or have my mom text me. We had no cell phones. We had no pages back in that day. We had nothing. I mean, I could have stood there and yelled through the store, but I knew what would happen when I got home if I did that. Hallelujah. <laughs> so I went to a thing called customer service. And I went to customer service and I said, I'm lost. I can't find my mother. And they said, that's all right, young man. What's your mother's name? And I told them, what's your name? And I told them. And then they would say, wait here. And then they get on the intercom. The old man, they call and say, Dorothy Beatty, your son Philip is waiting for you at customer service. And my mom would be like, oh, and she hated that. Because this happened about 12 dozen times when I was a kid. And it got to the point where she did this. She was like, oh, this is so embarrassing. I'm like, but mom, I couldn't find you. So I needed to call for you, and then I needed to wait for you, <laughs> right? I needed to call for you, and then I needed to wait for you. Because what would happen if I had her called on the intercom, and I didn't wait for her, and I just started wandering around the store, then it would have been even doubly worse at home, if you know what I'm talking about. Mom would not have been happy about that. Once I put the call out, I needed to wait for her. Because if my mom loves me, and I know she did, she was looking for me when I was looking for her. And the truth this morning, friends, is that while we are looking for God, the beauty is that God is looking for us. While we are looking for God, God is looking for you. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save the lost. I went, I left the 99 to go and search and find the one who needed to be found. Sometimes we need to stop. We need to stop and be still and allow the God who is pursuing us, the God who is speaking to us all the time, to become aware of his presence and to become aware of his voice. We need to be quiet. We need to be still. We need to stop. And then the second thing I notice is that in this story, it takes some time for Samuel to learn to recognize the voice of God, right? He doesn't understand whose voice it is the first time, the second time, the third time, right? He, doesn't, he takes time. It's symbolic. It's metaphor of the fact that when God speaks to us, we probably won't recognize it the very first time. But we can learn to recognize it if we're willing to take time to recognize the presence of God. And what I notice, too, is that when it, he comes to understanding that it's God speaking to him, it's Eli that helps him. 
It's somebody else that helps him understand the word of God in his life. And I think there's a principle of learning to hear God's voice that other people can help us to hear God's voice. And I don't just mean anybody. I mean people that are older in the faith. People that have been Christians longer than you. People that are older. People that are in spiritual leadership in your life. They can help you to recognize the voice of God. See, I believe that God speaks to us through four ways. Ready? If you're taking notes, this is it. He speaks to us through nature, through what he's created, through other people, especially those who are older in the faith. He speaks through his word, the written word of God, the Bible, and he speaks through the Holy Spirit in our lives, right? So I want to talk about that for just a minute. He speaks through creation, which we talked about. He speaks through other people. It was Eli who said, hey, Samuel, maybe what you're hearing is from God. And that's why I encourage you to pray with somebody, somebody who's older in the faith, somebody who's seen a few more years walking with the Lord than you have, because they might be able to say, hey, that sounds like God. You might be able to hear God's voice. And here's the beauty of this story is that Eli was not necessarily in a good place with God at the moment, was he? He was doing something that was wrong. He was about to be judged. God had a hard word for him, but he still was able to help Samuel recognize the voice of God in his life. And what I say amen to is that the people who help you to hear the word of God don't have to be perfect. Your spiritual leaders don't have to be perfect to help you hear the voice of God. None of us have to be perfect. But he helped him to understand that God was speaking to him. Because he had spent many years knowing what the voice of God was. Maybe ignoring it. Maybe neglecting it. But that didn't take away his ability to know that, hey, this is God in your life. So you have people in your life that have walked a little longer in the faith than you have. And when you pray with them, when you speak with them, God can help you to hear his voice. We also have the Word of God today, don't we? We have the Word of God, which speaks to us. See, back then, Samuel, they didn't have the whole Bible that we have now. And now we have 66 books of the Bible that give us a record of God speaking. So you need to start reading the Bible or listening to it on the Bible app, and God has spoken, and you go to the parts where God is speaking and read it, soak it in, study it so that you can begin to recognize how God sounds, right? And when Jesus came, He was the fullness of God in human flesh. And when Jesus spoke... He spoke the very words of God. That's why in a lot of our Bibles, they're red letters. Because they're the words of God. So read the red letters of the Bible and understand that you are hearing the voice of God. That you can begin, as you read the words of Jesus, look at the way Jesus lived, examine his life. The more time you spend in the word, you'll begin to recognize what that voice sounds like, right? When I was dating my wife, it was back in the days before email. And I know some of you young people think, I'm really old. Man, we had no cell phones, we had no email. So we wrote handwritten letters to each other when we were at home from college in the summer. She was in New York and I was in Colorado. And I've still got stacks of these letters, right? And letters that we wrote back and forth to each other. And if I read through that stack of letters, I know what the voice of my wife sounds like. So that if I get a phone call, I know it's her voice. If someone comes to me and says, hey, your wife said this, I'll know whether they're telling the truth or lying. Because I know the voice of the one that I love. And I spent time. Jesus put it like this. He said, listen, I'm going to use an image of a shepherd. Now you can go to the next slide. A shepherd and a sheep. And he said, listen, the shepherd, you know, is known by his sheep. The sheep know the voice of the shepherd. 
He said, you've got to understand that she will not follow another voice because they don't belong to that person, but the shepherd that they belong to, they will follow. He said, in the same way, my people, my sheep, they know my voice and they recognize my voice and they follow my voice. And if you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Christ, if the Spirit of God lives in you, then you should know the voice of Jesus, the voice of God in your life. You should be able to recognize it and follow it because you belong to him, because he loves you and because you love him. There's a beautiful story that illustrates this that comes from the, the 1980s in the land of Palestine and Israel, where there was, believe it or not, still a conflict. A conflict's been going on a long time. And because of the conflict, some Israelis had come into a Palestinian town and they had decided that they were going to take all of the livestock of this small village, all of the sheep, all of the goats, because they were herders and they were shepherds, and they put them in one big pen and locked them away as they were, they were trying to punish the village for some reason. So there's a story told of a little boy, about 12, 13 years old, who comes to the soldiers that are guarding the gate and he says, please, please sir, can I have my sheep back? I only have 12 sheep. It's just me and my mom. There's no one else in our family. This is all that we have. We're going to die if we don't have this. I mean, we need this. Could you please let me just have the 12 sheep that belong to me? And the soldiers kind of mock him. They turn into this huge pen filled with all the sheep and all the goats in the village. And they say to the boy, well, if you can pick out which ones belong to you, then go ahead. You can take your 12 sheep. And you know what he does? He pulls out a flute and he begins to play a tune. And one by one, 12 sheep only pop their heads up. And they begin to move towards to the gate. And the soldiers dumbfounded open the gate and only 12 sheep go out because they knew that tune that the boy was playing. They knew the one who was their shepherd. And only 12 left with him. And they watched just, you know, dumbfounded as he took his 12 sheep and went home. Do you know, friends, that the Bible says in Zephaniah 3.17, that God is with you, he is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you and rejoice over you with singing. God is singing a song over your life. There's a tune that God has been singing over your life from the time you were conceived, from the time you were born. It is the song that he has created for you. He is singing it over his life. But as long as you're listening to all of the other music and you're being distracted by your phone and by the internet and by television and by everything else, you're never going to hear the song of love that is being sung over you. God is singing the song of love over you. It takes time to recognize his voice. We have to be quiet. We have to be still. We need to spend time in nature. Spend time, literally, get outside. Get outside. If you're desperate to hear the voice of God, get outside, be alone, be quiet, and listen. We need to spend time with other people. People who are older in the faith. Praying with them. Serving with them. Listening to them speaking to our life. We need to spend time in God's Word. Reading the Word of God. Understanding and learning what God's voice sounds like. And finally, God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, look, I've got so much stuff to tell you. So much stuff I want to speak to you. But I literally do not have enough time to walk here in the So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be leaving. But when I leave, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will teach you things that I could not say to you at the moment. Are you catching this? The Holy Spirit comes into our hearts and into our minds when we receive Jesus Christ. He deposits the Holy Spirit of God inside of us. And that means that God can speak to us directly through the Holy Spirit inside of us. 
He can speak to us through nature. He can speak to us through other people. He can speak to us through his word. And he can speak to us directly. This is why I believe, friends, in this day and age, that we most often hear the voice of God in our minds and in our hearts. Back in Samuel's day, the Holy Spirit didn't live inside of people. Did you catch that? The Holy Spirit did not yet live inside of people. So God came from the outside and spoke more audibly and in the physical realm more because the Holy Spirit had not yet been given. But when Jesus leaves and the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost and now in miracle of miracles, God's presence can live inside of us. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. King David used to write a song. He said, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Because he used to watch King Saul, and he would see the Spirit come, and he'd see the Spirit go. And he saw what it was like for a person when the Spirit of God leaves them. But Jesus said, I'm sending my Holy Spirit in there, and he will never leave you. That's why when you hear the voice of God today, you will hear it as a thought in your mind, as something in your heart. Because the presence of the Holy Spirit is inside you, speaking the Word of God to you. So we need to be still, and we need to take time. But I want to notice a couple of other things. A couple of other things. There were certain characteristics that Samuel had that made him predisposed to hear the word of God. And these characteristics, when they're in our life, will make us more ready, more available, more able to hear the word of God in our lives. And the first thing is this, and you can go to the next slide now. He had a desire to serve. He had a desire to serve others. Right? You'll notice that when he heard the voice and he thought it was Eli, he came in and he said, here I am. Here I am. That is a powerful phrase in Scripture. That is the exact same phrase that Abraham used when God called to Abraham. Abraham said those exact words, here I am. When God came to Moses and he spoke to him out of the burning bush and he called his name Moses, Moses, Moses said those exact three words, here I am. And of course, when the prophet Isaiah had the vision of God in his temple, God in all of his glory, and the Lord said, who will go for us? Whom shall we send? What did Isaiah famously say? Here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am is the phrase that a servant gives when they're ready to serve. Here I am. Here I am. And I'm so thankful that God has given us so many people here at our own church who show up every Sunday morning and say, here I am. I'm ready to set up, I'm ready to help, I'm ready to do whatever. And people during the week, when things need to be done, they say, here I am, I'm ready. Sometimes you gotta show up. The first thing is to show up, whatever that means. Maybe literally, physically showing up, but also just showing up, just saying, here I am. What if you did that in your lives? What if every morning you woke up and said, here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord, how do you want me to serve? Right? What if every time you walked into work, how many of you have a job that you go into, every time that you step across that threshold into your work, you say, here I am, Lord. How can I serve you? What if every time you woke up in the morning, maybe you work at home, maybe you work you know, from there, maybe every morning when you get up, maybe as you walk into your kitchen to begin the day, every time you walk into your kitchen, the first time in the morning, you say, here I am, Lord. Here I am, ready to serve. I'm telling you, if you did that for three weeks, right, you can make a new habit. I believe that you would hear the voice of God in ways that you've never heard the voice of God. Because being willing to serve creates in you the ability to hear the word of God, right? God wants to speak to people that are willing to serve. God wants to speak to people that are willing to go. God wants to speak to people that are willing to do whatever he asks them to do, even if it's hard, even if it's difficult, even if they don't want to do it. Which brings me to my next point, that Samuel was willing to obey. 
Even though the word was hard to give, he gave it. He had a desire to serve and he was willing to obey. So if we want to get ourselves in a position where, where we are ready to receive the word of God, we need to have a desire to serve and a willingness to obey. Amen. To do what God has told us to do. Because why is he going to tell you what to do if you're not willing to do it, right? Amen. How many of you know that it's hard to hear when you don't want to obey? How many got kids that have selective hearing? Hallelujah. How many of you know that sometimes, sometimes, your children don't hear you because they know you're going to ask them to do something and they don't want to do it, right? Amen. How many of you know that, right? Now, my daughter, she's good. You know, I call up all the time, Scarlett. She's like, what? And I tell her to do something. If it's like, come down and have dinner, she says, okay. If it's like, why don't you come down and feed the cats? I hear silence. No, I'm just kidding. She doesn't do that. But you know how it is, right? We all do that. It's not just kids. We do as adults, right? That's why I'm convinced that so many of us are not hearing the word of God. Because we don't want to obey. Well, let's get real for a moment. I want to hear God's voice. I want to hear God's voice. He tells you to do something. I don't want to do that. Maybe we've tuned God out. Oh, oh man, have we tuned God out? As Christians, as Christians, have we tuned out the voice of God? Because we've been living in disobedience. Right? A desire to serve, a willingness to obey, will put us in the right place to hear God. And it will take time to learn to recognize God's voice. And God speaks to us through creation, through other people through his word, and through his Holy Spirit. And we need to be still. And we need to stop what we're doing and spend time listening to God. And then here's the last little piece. When you hear the voice of God, when, the, when it comes into your mind and your heart, you think, is that God? I don't know. Is that God speaking to me? You know, I, I mean, you won't recognize it right away, but when it comes to you, you've got to take a step of faith. Eli told Samuel, listen, I think it's the voice of God. You need to take a step of faith and believe that it's God and say, okay, God, speak to me for I'm listening. And when he took that step of faith, God spoke the word to him. Right? And then he took another step of faith when he went ahead and said that word to Eli. And then as he obeyed and took that step of faith, God continued to give him more and more revelation, more and more words. Oftentimes, the things that God asks you to do will just be a very direct one thing to do. But what he's going to do before he speaks to you again, he's going to wait to see if you're going to take a step and act on that word that he gave you. I remember when God spoke to me about starting and planting this very church. You can go to the next slide. I was, um, there was a day that I was at a meeting for the Hartford Project. This uh, week of community service and experiencing and sharing God's love that young people from different churches get together in Hartford and participate in. And I've been involved in it for about 10 years at this point. And we were at a planning meeting at the Citadel of Love, where I just mentioned, on 167 Barber Street. And uh, we were meeting with pastors. And Pastor Muntz was there. And it was an energizing, exciting meeting. And I was driving out of the north end of Hartford. So you, those of you who've driven, you can picture where I'm at, right? So I'm driving out of the north end of Hartford, heading back to Manchester. And I'm looking at the city. And I'm thinking to myself, why do I get so excited? Why do I feel so alive when I'm in Hartford? And I'm just, I'm just dwelling on that. I'm just thinking on that. And I get on 84, and I'm driving on 84 across the bridge, right? And then I get to 384, and I take it, and I take the first exit because there's Starbucks on Spencer Street. And i got to stop at Starbucks, like, all the time, okay? So I come in, and I'm literally at this intersection. This is the intersection. This is where I was sitting, stopped, still, 
at the red light. I had the radio off in the car. And I heard the voice of God saying to me, what if you planted a church in Hartford? What if you planted a church in Hartford? I had a choice at that intersection, right? I had a choice. Just like we do every day of our lives. I could go left or I could go right. I had a choice of where to go. I had a choice. I could have said, okay, God, I'll follow that. Or I could have said, you know what? That's a crazy idea because I've been saying that for a long time. I told myself and others, I'm never going to plant a church. I'm not going to do that. That sounds ridiculous to me. I can't do that. But God came to me in that moment and said, what if you plant a church in Hartford? And I had a decision to make. And at that moment, and that was about five years ago, I said, okay, God, I'm going to believe that's you. I'm going to take the next step of faith. And I started talking to older people. I started talking to pastors and mentors in my life. I went through an assessment center. I went through training. I went through evaluation. I prayed with people. I talked to people. And three years ago, on July 1st of 2015, I signed the papers to create Hartford City Foundation. But I'll never forget that moment. I'll never forget that moment of hearing the voice of God and like all of us having to decide, is this really God speaking to me, right? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Whatever it is, it can be as big as that or it can be as small as something that God wants you to do that's unseen and unnoticed. But the thought comes to us and we start to ask this question, could that be God speaking to me? First of all, if you even ask that question, you got to know that there's more people who don't even get to that question. So when you start wondering if it's the voice of God, pay attention because you're about to embark on a journey. And then we take a step of faith and we say, you know what? I'm going to believe that this is God speaking to me. And I'm going to obey it as the word of God. And then you will see the fruit of what it is and God will speak to you more. And then you'll know that it was God's voice. Because the word of the Lord doesn't fall to the ground. If by chance you hear the voice of God telling you to do something and then you do it, and it falls to the ground. It's okay. Just dust yourself off. Pick yourself up. It's quite all right. Because it takes time, right? To hear the voice of God. Samuel didn't hear the voice of God for three times. Again, it's symbolic. It's a metaphor of what goes on in our lives. It's going to take several times of us before we learn to hear the voice of God speaking to us. But when we hear the voice, we need to take a step of faith. And we need to act upon it. And then we need to stop and be still and listen to the voice of God. So this morning together, I want to do exactly those two things. I want to give us an opportunity to take a step of faith. And I want to give us an opportunity.